You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. I'm very excited today to introduce Renan Rosenbaum. He's the Director of Business Development at MaxWeb and just a wealth of information on anything related to traffic, the adult industry, and, and just everything direct response. So we have a rocking episode today. Uh, Renan's going to talk to us about all his experience at the adult uh, in the adult space and how it took him to MaxWeb and what he's doing now. Uh, so welcome, Renan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I can give just a little bit of a backstory of where I come from. Um, my history is not actually in this industry. I started out, I'm a gemologist. So that's a background in pearls, gems, and colored gemstones. Um, I did everything from the wholesale side of that, selling 10, 20 carat, fancy, intense, vivid pink diamonds, you know, out there galore. Um, and in that time, I came to the Netherlands, met my now partner, landed here, and then was looking for a position in sales and fell into what we'll call high risk, but really in a sense, porn. Um, I worked for a little over two years um, uh, managing uh, the sales force for a high risk uh, payment processor that did primarily porn. And within those confines, we had things like I don't know, Ukrainian women stretching um, to the filthiest type of porn you can imagine to watching women count numbers in weird outfits in different languages. Um, and then from there, I fell into affiliate marketing. Um, I always like to say fell into because I really had no idea what I was getting involved with in high-risk adult um, working as a payment processor. We dealt with a lot of different merchants with various websites and they had affiliate links, but I didn't know what affiliate marketing was. And so we had affiliate programs and I actually went to one of the top networks in the space. And the rest is really history. I worked for a network for a little over two years, then went to an e-commerce advertiser. And then that led me to MaxWeb, which is a company that I've been kind of eyeing for a number of years anyway, um, just because I love the vision. I love the way they do things. And that kind of is me in a nutshell. Well, I love I love the way that you said, you know, I haven't been in this for a while, but you you have because we were talking earlier, um, you know, a five year kind of stint in this industry is is is, is very long. And, and you know, you were, you were talking about your, your background in, in gemology and, and so forth. And, you know, to be a gemologist for five years is, you know, maybe laughable. People are going to be like, whatever, newbie or whatever. But when you've been in direct response for five years, the learning curve is so fast. You got to do so many things so fast and kind of keep up to date that it's it's actually very long. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot longer than some people are able to to last in this industry. I mean, just from my experience, like I've been you know direct paying at twelve years now. Um, I've seen so many people come and go in this industry. It's like it's just people getting wiped out and and companies you know that last two years, three years, and then you know they're the biggest thing that ever happened, and then they're nothing. So you know, it's like I, evaporating into thin air. And for me, one of the biggest things. Also, as you say, it's constantly moving. Things are changing. You have to keep learning things. If we go into every day thinking we're the best at this, you're not going to be the best the following day. You, in my mind, from my perspective, you always kind of have to be 
planning ahead and looking at what others are doing and finding a way to merge something new and exciting for your company or for yourself, but also not losing track of what's happening. You can't only be focused um, you know, with binoculars on what your plate of food is, so to speak, because you're going to miss out on the rest of the pie. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do agree that there's a lot of people that say, you know, pick a lane, you know, and I, I think you we hear this a lot in the industry, like, oh, if you're doing email marketing, then stick to email marketing, do more of what works and so forth. But I agree with that. And I would say that, you know, 10, 20% of maybe your time or your budget should always be in what's new, what's happening, where where are things going? Because in this industry, if you just keep doing what's working, uh, you're going to get wiped out because there's going to be a new regulation. There's going to be a new player. There's going to be somebody that's going to do something so quickly. It's going to, you know, you're going to be gone uh, in a second. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you, you know, that you brought up your experience as a gemologist and then, you know, adult and so forth. And it, it's probably helped build you to the person you are today. And you're able to kind of backtrack and use Although the experience is not necessarily, you know, exactly linearly, uh, linearly related, um, having experience in a mature industry, in my opinion, and I had that also in my past, it helps you kind of be the adult in the room sometimes. Uh, I don't know if you absolutely. Oh no, hundred percent. Let's put a real thinking hat here. You know, let's really look at the business logistics. And when you're in a mature industry, you get to see that, but you don't see that as much here. Well, and you know, it's kind of the double. Sword because there's a pro and there's a con to it. There's one side that I think is amazing about this industry, which is that no one in this space has been here long enough to be the the be all everything. So it gives enough room and space for everyone to come in and learn. I love that it's a lot of fresh faces. It's a lot of people fresh out of college. Maybe they skipped college, whatever the case, but a lot of people coming in with a green, fresh set of wanting to learn. The negative side or the not as nice side is the fact everything that I just said, you're dealing with a lot of people that maybe aren't coming with professional work experience. You know, if you come into a company, let's say you come into a network that has that fun social Google type atmosphere to it of a startup, that's great. But if you've never been shown how to structure your day, if you've never been shown how to follow up in a sales funnel, if you've never been shown certain aspects just from a professional standpoint, and you're not shown it within that work environment, it's a tough obstacle right there to get over if you are not proactive on your own to try to learn these things. So I do, I can relate to what you're saying about being the adult in the room, Um there's a part of it sometimes where it's like, okay, it's going to come to me again. But there's also a side of it that's very exciting because you're in an industry where new things are happening every day and you're learning new aspects to it, whether it's a new traffic source, um, whether it's a new avenue, how you do things, even if it's a new CRM and how we're going to look at our numbers every day, you do have to keep learning. So for me, what's been really exciting and nice here that you won't find in an established industry is walking into a room with an idea a structure, a new like a new task of this is how we're going to do things and seeing eager, open faces willing to learn. To me, that's very exciting because then I can bring in my experience, but I much prefer a room of fresh faces that are excited to learn versus people who know everything and there's no room for learning. Yeah, for sure. And also the, the interesting thing about that is, 
you know, is wealth creation and, you know, people who are, you know, 28 years old and making like half a million dollars a year or something crazy that would be like unheard of, you know, 10, 20 years ago, like now is like, you meet these, you know, they, they look young, you know, 25, 30 years old. And, you know, they're, they're running these huge businesses and, and, you know, making a ton of money, which is, you know, in, in more mature industries, just difficult you know it's 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 not easy to to be a gemologist and be the best gemologist in five years you know whereas in this industry you can start a supplements business and in five years you could be the best or the biggest supplement business if you know what you're doing and uh you make the right place so i i do i do love uh the fact that i am sometimes regarded as the adult in the room because i'm the banker and i'm the boring banker and i'm like oh man i gotta tell these people this is not gonna happen <laughs> but you know regardless it's always uh, it's always good to have kind of the both experiences because you have a little bit of you know the working mode versus you know the 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 kind of the ideologists that just need kind of like uh, that are a little bit less structured. Uh, but talking about, you know, different industries and, and, and your progression, and you, you mentioned, you know, you were in the payment side, but for adult sites. And I, I, I love that you have that experience because that we can laugh a little bit about some of the, the stuff that happens. And I'll tell you a little bit of my daily. We do get adult leads. Um, you know, we work with adult merchants. It's not a huge part of, of our portfolio, but we do, you know, we do, we do work in it just because of my background, you know, coming from Pornhub and so forth. And a lot of people, uh, you know, identify the fact that I, I know the industry quite well. Uh, but isn't it funny, you know, when you get these leads, when you click and you just see what, they're selling, you were mentioning, you know, reading out, uh, you know, letters in different languages, wearing funny outfits. And, and, and we get that every day. And it's, it's funny because like some of my team, they're like, what is this? Like, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like this doesn't even capture my mind. So, <laughs> well, I have, I mean, I don't know how I'll try. I'm not going to be too graphic, but I we're still uncensored. Have my... we're uncensored. Okay, you're allowed. You're allowed. I, I still have this in my brain for what is it now? Like four years ago. So part of working on the high risk side, which I'm not saying anything you don't know already, there's a daily task of going through websites and checking content. Yeah. And there's so many different aspects to things. For example, if you're dealing with, you know, if you're dealing with a webcam um, guy, if there's a bottle of vodka in the background, even if it's empty, that's a compliance violation. If you have a dog walking around, that's a compliance violation. And sometimes you're spending hours in the day going through a website with, let's say, like 500 videos, picking 20 and going through second by second to see, is there a violation? What's going on? And you see a lot of things. Um, there were definitely a lot of things I saw, but there was one video that still is just a, so we were a Dutch company. We're here in Holland, which if you know, um, our national flowers, tulips, we're pretty known around the world for it. So, um, that kind of paints a little bit of a picture maybe of the direction, but we had two females, one laying on the ground, um, uh, completely naked while the other one proceeded to basically plant tulips inside of her. And there was an entire process that included uh, raw sewage and dirt and like oh, all these different things going in. But the kicker at the end was that it was urine used to um, oh. water the oh. plant. Oh, yeah. And Number one, it was incredibly disturbing and really took me to a place. But number two, from a compliance aspect, it was golden. There were no issues there. Um, we were able to approve water sports, which isn't something all 
payment <laughs> processors have on their compliance list. We did. So that was fine. But there weren't any of the violations that we look for. I mean, the funny thing is the day that we were doing that, I had another website, which was just a guy's solo videos of him masturbating and doing different things while working out and such. And he had one 20 minute video of him essentially just laying naked on a bed. And for two minutes in that, he picked up a joint to smoke and that was not compliant. So it was kind of a funny juxtaposition that we have a girl peeing on top of another while planting soil inside of her. And that works. But then we have a gentleman who lifted a joint up and that was something that had to be adjusted. So these are the kind of things day to day in the job. I mean, that doesn't even cover all the porn parties and intermix and all these insane, insane aspects of the industry. But just from day to day, the compliance side, it there was always a, an entertaining quality that for me, the culture shock went quickly. But then when you have to look at a quick website and you're out for the evening or something, Getting a glance from a friend or someone outside of work kind of puts it back into perspective yes. of, oh, yeah, I'm looking at porn all day. Yeah, no, I, I, I the same thing for me is that, you know, when we're doing compliance or when I used to work, uh, you know, at the adult company, it was, you know, it, it glazes over you. You're just like, like, you know, when I was at Pornhub and I was looking yep. at our checkout pages and making sure that we would get merchant accounts and all this stuff. It was, you know, uh, okay, do we have uh, the, the 2257 and this and the checkout button and the recurrence there? Da, da, da. And then, like, there's, like, you know, an image that doesn't, it just glazes over. And uh, I think it happens to a lot of people who are in the, in the adult industry within a couple of months. It's just the content just becomes irrelevant. You're looking at, you know, different yeah. things for compliance. But on a compliance standpoint, I'm, I'm fairly certain the fact that you did what you did um, at the adult company is probably serving you quite well now um, at MaxWeb. Because, I mean, there's always different layers of compliance for different things, right? So, you know, having a, compl a compliance officer in an adult website, I think could translate very well for somebody who's, let's say, placing ads on Facebook because there's Facebook compliance and there's, you know, compliance to FTC and so forth. So tell me how that transition went, you know, going from that role into the role that you're in right now. Well, the funny thing, you hit it nail on the head, because for me, it's really about, especially in this space, in this industry, is pulling some from column A, some from column B, and kind of finding how it all fits. So it's definitely helped. I mean, from just MaxWeb, we don't really work um, in dating, per se, um, but we have a lot of things in the health space, which is basically our bread and butter. So we're dealing with things like male enhancement, for example that compliance aspect comes into place because I know a lot of things right off the bat that aren't going to be accepted. So even if it's something that, let's say, for whatever reason, gets through a compliance procedure somewhere, I already know ahead of time what's going to happen with the mids. I already have an idea. And conversely, my last role was working as an e-commerce advertiser. So we placed a lot of our own offers, did a lot of internal traffic, and I was a big instrumental part in actually building out the pages. So there was also a little more live feedback on things outside of even porn of what works compliance-wise. So it's given me a good kind of roundabout of knowing right off the bat, basically what's legitimately okay and what is not, um, which makes it easy for quick snapshot decisions, especially when I'm having a conversation with someone at a trade show or I'm somewhere and they want to show me something. Yeah. If there's something that kind of ticks a certain box of a red flag or something I know that's going to be a compliance issue, 
it gives me an easier chance to kind of get ahead of that versus onboarding someone going through a process and then getting three people down the line an answer that I could have answered ahead of time. For sure. And I mean, I know Max Webb and, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time, but just for our listeners, can you tell me a little bit more just about the company? Like what is, what is your, you, you mentioned health and, you know, supplements is your bread and butter, but tell me what, what is your exact role and what is the company kind of? Yeah. Like? For sure. So I'm the director of business um, development here at MaxWeb, um, doing a little bit of everything, working with a dynamic team. Um, one of the things that really brought me to MaxWeb, which is funny when I look at the whole trajectory of where I came from, is I came from, I'd say, a little more of the gray slash black hat side of things and have kind of slowly progressed into more of the white hat side. MaxWeb operates differently. All of our affiliates, and we really try to focus on our, our affiliates, they get essentially a really close guided approach to everything that we do. So we work with them on the creatives. We work with them specifically on the swipes, whatever resources, banners, anything they need to really scale up and move things forward. We try to be really transparent and honest about things. For example, if I have an offer that hasn't been tested on social, I understand it's a network, uh, you know, it's kind of an industry thing to say, how great it's doing on email and how great it's doing on SMS. And those are great. But if I don't have the stats on Facebook, it's really not doing anyone a favor by inflating numbers that don't exist. Um, we do weekly payouts by default, but we do up to three times a week. I don't know any other network that does wow. three times three a week. Times a week. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we have affiliates who will come to us with specific offers and ask us to set up that advertiser because they don't want to run direct just because of how we manage our affiliates. Uh, we have a really nice team of people on about every time zone you can imagine. So getting set up with MaxWeb, you're essentially put into a group chat that's going to have someone online every time you're online. Well, yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, you touched upon a couple of things, affiliate payments, um, even even, you know, this is a topic that I think a lot of big companies have is how do we pay the affiliates, especially if you have, you know, affiliates in different parts of the world, like, okay, US is fairly simple, Canada is fairly simple, even, you know, Western Europe is fairly simple. Uh, but once you get outside of that sphere, there's a whole other world of, of, of places where traffic is driven, where, you know, people want to get paid for, for promoting different offers and so forth. And uh, remittances is a headache. It's, it's difficult. Like I did that um, for, for, you know, for a while in the adult space, I was doing, you know, the affiliate payments for Jug Cash, which was our, our affiliate program. Yeah. Um, and I remember Jug Cash. <laughs> it was, it was just so, I, I, I didn't realize how much time and how much energy is needed just to pay people. I was like, Hey, we'll just send them the money go away. You know, like, I don't, why am I spending all this time? But it was like, you needed to do checks in certain places and PayPal in certain places and, you know, wires and ACH and these guys need this. And I was like, this is like, this is literally a whole time job is managing how people are going to get paid. And, you know, um, the fact that you guys do it three times a week, as we say in French, a chapeau, which is hat, hats off, uh, because it's, it's hard. And, and, the the interesting thing is, you know, being in business um, as an affiliate network and working in the health and beauty space, we were talking, we touched upon a little bit on compliance. I mean, compliance changes the FTC, you know, then you have the FDA as well in certain circumstances, but the FTC is like, 
constantly badgering, uh, you know, people for, for various things, things that seem innocent enough. Um, but what are your, your top, I guess, let's, let's say two or three, uh, compliance no-nos, like when you get somebody new and you're like, okay, let's see what, what are, what, what is something common that a lot of, you know, advertisers do that they shouldn't do. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm just, I'm just curious. Oh no, that's totally fine. I mean, for instance, and health is such a specific space because it really depends on the sub vertical. Like for example, CBD is going to be different than, you know, uh, I don't know, like a sleep medication, for example. Yeah. So like with CBD, something we deal with a lot because a big portion, I wouldn't say all of our traffic, but a big portion of our traffic is the U.S. We do a lot in the U.S. We do all over the world, but the U.S. has, a, especially in the health space, a really strong focus for us. With CBD, you run into, and I'm sure you know this already, but you run into a lot of compliance issues with Canada versus the U.S. and how you can market CBD. And one of the big things is people come in newbies see the opportunity for CBD in Canada. They see the potential for money. Um, it's a little more niche in a way than the U.S. as far as there's not as many affiliates running. It's not as saturated, but it's there. But there are a lot of kind of legal red tape that you have to get in place um, that if you don't is going to create a problem. And those are things to keep an eye out for. So that's like one thing. Um, another big one with health is um, false claims. You know, if you're doing a diet product, for example, if you say that on a specific study, X, Y, and Z was attributed to this diet supplement, that's great, but you need to have that study somewhere linked into your landing page. You need to have a backup to any of these claims that you make. And that often for me is like the biggest no-no, but happens all the time from a compliance standpoint, is that people put just these like, false claims in. And, you know, at MaxWeb, we really stay away from the super aggressive stuff. We're not doing Nutra trials. Um, in general, we really don't even refer to health as Nutra. We really try to focus on it being more health related. So we do certain digital products as well as physical supplements and things like that. But we really stay away from the super aggressive. We have a lot of video sales letters, a lot of TSLs. Um, so just really working a little more on the cleaner side of the traffic. So that also helps us in regards to advertisers because we're tending to work with people who are a lot more transparent, who are looking to really grow in this space and maybe aren't looking just to make money for this month, but are looking at the big picture of how they can grow. Yeah. And I mean, I think just in general trial, uh, it's just, it feels like a thing of the past. I mean, just on the visa regulation side of things, they, 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 I mean, a lot of people don't do what you're supposed to do on the visa side, but if you were to follow the rules, getting consent, uh, in order to go from trial to full and all this stuff, they're, they're putting so many things to block people from doing that, that it, it just becomes you know, uh, a no win game. I think doing trial, it's, it's very expensive. Uh, you're rolling around mids, you're, you're, you're constantly changing networks. You need more traffic, different traffic. It just, I feel like at least in my perspective, I've seen like a huge kind of, uh, change in people moving away from that type of business model. Um, it's not as easy to manage anymore. You, you need a lot of money to manage that type of thing. I'm seeing a lot more people offer like bulk buys, 
Um, just like huge bug wise, six months done, you get, you know, you get your AOV right at the beginning and done. You don't have to think about, you know, having them recur for six, eight, nine months or whatever the case is. But it's interesting uh, what you mentioned about CBD and can and so forth. And just in general, um, I, I feel like regulations and legislations could be different in different states. It could be different in different countries and people don't pay attention to that. They just launch and then they're like, oops, you know, this, this doesn't work here. Or that doesn't work there. And, and you know, well, it, and it's, it's I'm, funny you should say that because it's, um, if, I'll give you a great example is that I have an advertiser I work with who has really great European, um, health pages. And when we first started working with him, it's one of those things, his CPAs weren't as high as the competitors. There were a lot of different things to look at and we had to see where's the value here. Well, I saw right away one of the best bits of value is that throughout all these different European countries, he has set up localized um, currency options in those places. So for example, here in the Netherlands, um, we have the MasterCard, which is essentially like our form of a debit card. It's not the same debit card that you get if you go to the UK, for example. There are ways to process it here that are specific to the Netherlands. Similarly, um, in Germany, I wouldn't know off the top of my head, but I know there are specific payment solutions specific to there. Or if you're in like Italy or Romania, for example, COD is very popular as well. So having those different kind of localized trends or localized payment options to those places are things that make an offer so much more exciting for that geo rather than just doing the US. You know, you get a lot of these US advertisers who find a really nice stride in the US and they want to explore, but then they don't do maybe the research to the geo that they're going to. You know, it's nice to want to expand into Canada, but Canada is a different country than the US. There are different regulations, there are different things to look at, and you also want to have the best performing offer. So to my eyes, it's also smarter from just a profit perspective to do your research um, where you want to open up. It's the same thing if you want to start moving into a new product. You know, if you're going from diet to tinnitus, it's a different product. You know, you want to understand a little bit who you're marketing towards, where you're marketing, those kind of um, aspects to it all. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about moving from one offer to the other and, and kind of changing paths and so forth, you know, legislation once again is is a big part and knowing what is compliant for one offer versus the other like one thing that i, I notice a lot is people are are or, or merchants what they're doing is they're they're instead of actually like saying making a claim they put it in a testimonial and they're like oh i didn't say it, it was client a abc that said it so it's fine um Terry P said that, you know, um, <laughs> just I had an episode on compliance with an actual compliance lawyer. I'll look at uh, I'll look at it in the bottom for, for oh, listening. I need to listen to like, that. You, can't, you cannot use that's just the same thing that you're doing. You know what I mean? So even testimonials and stuff like that, all that is subject to compliance and and the laws between the different countries of what you can say, for example, in Canada versus what you can say in Europe versus what you can say, you know, it, it doesn't mean you were talking about, you know, uh, CBD legislation, that's all, uh, a little bit more obvious. It could also be your, your sales page is not compliant in one country versus the other because you're not allowed to say something. And if you have, for example, a clinical trial in the US, is that valid in the EU if you're selling, you know, in the EU and so forth? So, it's it's an interesting landscape, and I know that you see a lot of different people and different offers every day. And you see, I, I'm sure you have like a like when you see something, you're like, 
this is going to happen. This is going to work and so forth. I'm curious, what are the, the top three or top, I like to say three, it's always a number that comes to my head, but a couple of things that you, when you get like a new offer that you're like, this is going to work. Like what are some, some things that are common, I guess, common traits in top performing offers? So this might not be the answer you get from other people. For me, it's sometimes not even about the offer itself. It's much more about who owns the offer and it's much more about the steps that they've already done to build this offer and what they're willing or looking to do in the future. Um, because there are so many moving parts of aspects that make a difference. Um, a big thing is payment processing. You know, it depends on how your mids are set up. Um, if you're set up on like ClickBank or BuyGoods, that's great, but it depends on how you set up that checkout page because there are different aspects to how things go. And it's really important to see how invested that advertiser is in that offer. Um, a big thing for us, because we work, for example, on exclusive offers, um, offers that are specifically built out for us for the most part, it's also dependent on what the um, flexibility is from that advertiser. You know, when I have an advertiser who comes to me with an amazing, I don't know, like a fungus offer, but and that offer works really well. I mean, because we do at MaxWeb, we do well in all your typical health things, CBD, diet, male enhancement, but we really do well in kind of these niche um, zones. So things like a tinnitus, like a sleep, like a brain, you know, a lot of things, fungus eliminator, like these are really strong performers for us. And for me, one of the biggest things is will this advertise or make a new product for us. If we, you know, if we see that they have the right uh, juice, so to speak, to get their page going, um, what are the options in the future? Because I also don't want to make just this much money with you. I'd rather make this much. So it's also about, you know, when you find an amazing advertiser who let's say has one great offer and that's it, there's only so much you can go with them. There might be major potential, but there might also be a certain cap on that potential. So when you're looking at the real, at least from my perspective, the real potential and possibility is also like, where can this relationship grow? Where are new avenues we can go into? Um, to me, it's always a really sharp, sharp thing. If you don't, if you have an advertiser who isn't in, working with the same product that they've been doing for the last three years, that everything is just a moving, you know, boat of plug and play, everything great. When you have someone outside of that who comes in who says, okay, well, I'm doing this right now in finance lead gen, but the last three years I did this in health. And before that, you know, and I see that kind of pivot of people who are, kind of reinventing themselves. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just of that constantly being willing to learn and being able to see different things in the industry. And that to me is exciting. So I guess my formula for a great offer outside of if all my affiliates are asking for it, and it's something I know is great, like it really goes into seeing what their backend infrastructure is for supporting that offer. Um, also what creatives they come up with on their end. Okay, well, I, you know, it's interesting that uh, there was nothing mentioned about like exact strategy on pricing or, or you know, the, the, the product itself. It sounds like what you're saying is, you know, build a good team, have a good solid, you know, payments infrastructure, affiliate infrastructure, all that stuff. And then the offers will just, you know, they'll just, it'll work, you know, if you have a good solid foundation. 
Well, for sure. And we have a team in place to help both the advertisers, but also the affiliates scale things up. So it's one of those, sometimes it comes down to the smallest thing. It could be changing a buy button. It could be, you know, making sure that the currency option, you know, is localized if it's an international offer, you know, little things to kind of tweak the page. And sometimes it takes a little bit of a nudge or a little bit of showing the advertiser. And so for me, the big thing is someone who's malleable or willing to make changes. You know, that for us is the best partnership overall is people who want to make money and understand that if they're not already, we can help them get there. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes the more you change, the more things stay the same. And it's like, you know, if Amazon's doing a specific checkout process, and I say this, I think I've said this a million times on my podcast, but if Amazon or, you know, some of the big companies are investing money in testing this and they're saying, this is what works, guess what? This is what works. (laughs) You don't need to try a whole bunch of different things. You'll never have that budget. And same thing with you guys. You have all the experience and you're working with a lot of different advertisers and affiliates. So if if I come and partner with you as as an offer owner, what interest would I have, at least in my perspective, to say, no, this is better. If you've tested this 50 times, well, you know better. So let's do that. And then, you know, move backwards if it doesn't work. But um, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to hear that, you know, you have, you guys have the team in place and you have the, the resources in place to, to coach people a little bit. Cause it almost sounds like you can, you know, if you, as long as you have a, a decent foundation and you go to a company like Maxweb, um, you know, you guys will help figure out some of the logistical stuff that, that people need to, to get successful. But um, I, I still like the fact that you didn't mention anything on pricing. You didn't mention anything on the page and stuff like that. There's little details. No, it, those things can come up. But to me, when I'm looking at like the real unicorns and the things that are great, that's all like side information yeah. to me. Oh, that's so, because because we can change and adjust that. And it's funny that you even bring it up because I came from working as an advertiser and I was always a little floored, not floored, but a little, it took me back a second when I'd be dealing with an affiliate partner who was so focused on what the breakdown pricing was. And they're like, well, if it's $3 less, it's going to be better or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I I, I just don't see that perspective. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I can understand it, but it also then like, to me, it sets off a few red flags from seeing the more black or gray hat side is when I get a pub or someone who's really focused on the price or really focused, then I start thinking like, okay, do I need to reassess what your angles are? Do we need to look at what's going on? Because for example, and this does come up a lot more in like the trial space is if you're dealing with something where you have people asking, like, it needs to be $5, it needs to be $5. Well, what are they promising for that $5? Then it starts taking me into a place of maybe this isn't going the clean route. And so at MaxWeb, because we focus so much on these really clean via video sales letters and the TSLs, like there's a lot more of kind of a focused interest on the sale itself, on the actual product, on building the funnel from the pre-sale all the way through to make it convert, but also not be, you know, I've seen the other side of the equation where you have 500 sales that come in and at least like 200 of them end up chargebacks. That's not like, to me, that's not a business that's fun. Like then you're really just like, you're trying to run that clock out at all times, you know, and our stuff is much more, we try to be on a more white hat sustainable side so that even though we're chasing exciting stuff, we're not like from a sketchy perspective, like 
trying to like shield ourselves from getting caught. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So I'm going to ask you some interesting questions now. This, this is just as, as we're finalizing things. If I'm in the Netherlands, what, what do I have to do if I'm there? Uh, well, it depends on the time of year you come. If you come around April, you have to see the tulips. The fields here are insane amazing. Um, outside of that, there are two holidays here that are like, really the best festivals you've ever been to where you have to be with a boat because in the canals, it's like nothing you've ever experienced. One is King's Day on the King's birthday, um, which is the end of April. Um, that is just an all out debaucherous, everyone dressed in orange, which is our national color, um, just like festival of fun. And you really feel it. Like if you are anywhere in the city, on King's Day outside, like you feel the excitement of people. There's not like, it's not like only happening in one section of the city or one area of the country, like literally top to bottom the entire country, it's insanity. And then similarly, as if you're in Amsterdam uh, at the beginning of August, they have a gay pride festival here. Whole thing happens on the water and it's insane. It's really like the entire country comes to Amsterdam to make it happen. So those are both really fun days. Um, How about yeah, the food tour wise? festivals? Food wise, I mean, there's a little bit of everything. Um, you have to try Bitterball, um, which are basically Dutch croquettes. They're filled with like a ragu with like veal or something else inside. Um, those are like the equivalent of getting like mozzarella sticks in the States. Like they're in every bar here, but they are also insanely yummy. Um, but yeah, then we have a little bit of everything here, like amazing Thai food. Amazing. Wow. The only thing that makes me sad is we don't have a lot of Mexican food here and coming from the States where you have Mexican food on every corner. It's always a little sad for me. Whenever I find a new Mexican spot, I run there. I don't walk. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, 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 it's nice to hear. And I, I always love to see people going from, let's say the U S America and then going um, to Europe or different places abroad. Like what interests them and what you know what what are some cool things to do so i'm sure anybody who's listening if you're looking for some travel tips i'm sure renan gave you a few good ideas of, of what you should do um yeah and, and what just last question because i'm just this is just pure curiosity but you know when you went from the, the u.s to to uh to to the netherlands and to europe and so forth why you said you met a, a partner there and, and that's the reason but was there something else that attracted you to that country like what is it about it that you're like this is where i want to be uh there's something about i do have to say there's a humbleness to the dutch that's very interesting um like i went around i always explain it like this i went around to different countries spent a lot of time in the uk in france you say to the brits like this country's amazing and everyone's like yeah the uk you know and you go to france and it's like viva la france like everybody you know these nationalistic qualities and you have that with the dutch but like all of my dutch friends when i said i'm moving here they're like really you think it's that good there's this kind of self-deprecating kind of humbleness that I find very endearing here. Um, there's also a Dutch saying, do normal, which basically is like, let everyone do what they want to do, leave it alone. Um, it's kind of like you see someone like walking down the street, dancing naked, just let them walk down the street and dance naked and keep walking. And like, it's a very kind of individualized um, form of just, you know, do what you want to do. Um, it's uh, the culture here is very fascinating. And for a European country, everyone for the most part speaks English. So it's very easy. 
Yeah, no, I, I do have a lot of contacts in the Netherlands and their English is always spot on. I never have. Any- it's pretty impeccable. A lot of times it's even better than the UK or the US, oh, but wow. don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Renan, thank you so much for the, the, those last travel tidbits and for all the information. Um, and again, you know, this was a, a really interesting conversation. I mean, I have some links down below, everybody, if you want to get in touch with Renan or talk to him about MaxWeb or any questions about Netherlands, if you're going there. Uh, and thank you again for, for your time, Renan. Have yourself a great day. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 